You are listening to Food Forests of the World, the podcast, hosted by me, Jonas Ratte. Okay, people, let's get right down to brass tacks here. There are a lot of problems uh, happening in the world right now, and um, I'm going to go ahead and fix them. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, Climate change, right off the bat, huge problem. Uh, We've got carbon being trapped in the atmosphere uh, and not going back into the ground where it's supposed to go. And we've got uh, basically a lot of uh, erosion happening for, uh, for, for water basically to drain back to the oceans and not stay on the land. Um, we've also got a deforestation problem happening. Uh, that sucks. Um, so climate change, um, it's real. Uh, so f- friggin' get over it. Uh, <laughs> if you don't believe in it, you know what? You just... I mean, do the research. It's right there. There's, it's, it's not for me to say anymore. I've got, I've got so many points that I could go into and there's so many topics that we could explore here, but I don't want to waste anybody's time. So if you need more advice, you know, there's always places to Google that. So, uh, our food systems, um, we have a very inefficient food system. Um, this isn't my opinion. This is uh, the scientific community sort of has this like kind of these studies going of how um, how hard uh, it is to transport our food and, and produce and transport our food to our tables. And these kinds of reports are showing that our footprint um, on the world is really, really large. And it means that we're expending a lot of energy for very little results. Uh, that sucks. Um, another big problem is we're not connected to our environments anymore. Like we basically walk through this place, um, you know, just taking what we want and uh, building from what we need and not really considering where those holes are being filled in in nature. See, nature likes to fill in the gaps, but um, we're creating too many gaps right now. So it's not having, uh, it's having a hard time catching up, if that makes sense. Um, we need better community touch points. Um, it's been said that uh, we need better, better ways of getting people together in smaller locations like for instance, like, you know, you get your neighborhood community center um, has a bunch of ideas for like, you know, dances and bake sales and all sorts of things to get their, you know, people to come down and sort of meet each other and take care of uh, take care of each other in whatever way or or maybe just sell their their wares or just, you know, really just exchange ideas, any kinds of things like that. People are always looking for more opportunities to do that. And there are very few really long lasting ideas. So another problem we got is base level economy uh, issues. We, all over the world, there's countries that are adapting this minimum wage idea. And the idea is it's a minimum living wage. We want people to survive because it's harder on the tax and the government system to just leave them homeless. You know, like you don't you don't want to leave people trying to scrounge for things because they'll use up more of our resources trying to find them. If you just 
make it easier, make it a little bit easier for people to find what they really need. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier on our tax system and actually we pay less for it. So that's what we're finding. But still, where is it? It's not really a universal thing yet. And, and, you know, it's forcing, it's forcing the markets to have to cooperate with it without any real compensation or without any really foundation. Um, here's another one. Um, water and erosion. I, I think I kind of went over it, but water basically, as it hits the ground, it, it sort of tears a hole in the ground. And it sort of, as, as it drains from the high points to the low points, it drags with it small amounts of sediment. Now, if you can think of a, a long periods of time, there's lots of there's lots and lots of water falling and moving back into the ocean and it's taking little bits with it. The thing that stops that is plant material, right? So it's like if we don't have the plant material to stop it, more and more erosion happens and that's exactly what we're doing. If we lay fallow a lot of these or, or, or you know, grind up the earth in, in our farmland, which is taking up a massive percentage of our land usage, you know, the water is just going to kind of carry that stuff back into the oceans. All the minerals are going back into the oceans. So, um, yeah, that's a that's kind of an issue. Um, it's something that scientists point to, uh, climate scientists point to nowadays. Um, another problem is uh, land ownership and use. Um, there's a lot more people uh, looking for land and than there is land available. Um, this is because of uh, farms today take up a lot of space and a lot of these this land is sort of there's a there's a ton of land that's lay fallow for no reason and because of ownership rights and and really just the uh, i guess to say the 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 very the very considerable and and rightly considered uh privileges of somebody who owns land um, they don't have to let you do anything on it. They don't have, they, it's their land. They, they can, they're protected by the government, um, and our systems like police systems, um, in order to, for you not to be on that land. So maybe that owner is a commercial, a commercial, uh, organization like Exxon Mobil or Shell. Now all of the land and the minerals that that, that they're causing the erosion of, um, they're not really responsible for because it it can seep to different properties and these are happening on large 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 scales. So that's another that's another issue. Um, I'm not placing blame on anybody because I know the necessity of things um, and I see that there are a lot of uh, reasons for these kinds of things. Um, Here's another here's another problem. Let me go on. Uh, the economic instability of the housing market. <laughs> okay, so it's really tough to find a house that you don't overpay for nowadays. Um, and unless you're living in a place where the housing market crashed, and then there's you know a lot of commercial businesses that have moved out of those areas, so the the economic stability in those areas have, has sort of uh, been crumbly and hard to manage. That's a very huge one, and that doesn't serve very well for long-term, long-term uh, sustainable practices, right? People need temporary solutions. Uh, going on, people need more land. 
they need more ability to kind of be on a piece of land. If you think about it, 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 it's really weird for a person not to be connected to a piece of land, whether it be their, their parents' place or, you know, maybe a, maybe a national park that they're all a part of or that they all pay into. But the thing is, like, when can you really, unless you own a piece of land, can you really dig into it? Like, if, if you really think about it, it's a, it's a really huge connection that I think a lot of people don't have these days because, um, because they just can't afford it or it's just out of their reach or, you know, there's just not enough of it. I, I'm, I'm currently actually in Vancouver. Um, this is the perfect example for this. Um, this market is crazy and it's really tough to just have land here. So uh, moving on, if we want to do something about this, if we're trying to, you know, be environmentalist, the information that we're being given is way, way too heavy. A lot of people don't really, don't really understand the information. And that's completely itself understandable (laughs) because people, uh, people just can't, uh, they don't have time for, to, you know, to get a science degree. There's no you know, quick and useful information out there is expensive. You, you can pay for a permaculture design certificate for $1,000 online. Not a lot of people have $1,000 just sitting around. You know, um, there's there's tons and tons of courses out there, but each of the courses costs money. And people don't know who to believe and who to, is this really going to be what I need? Or is this really going to to help me? fulfill the goals that I have because everybody's goals are different and everybody's food forests are different sizes, right? Everybody's got a different, a different idea in their mind. And, and it's not easy to just pick a course that works for them all the time. So um, another problem is that uh, the authors of these courses and these books are having a real hard time actually making money. Uh, Amazon is a giant company and understandably they have rules and they have algorithms and it's, and, and, you know, they're paid a certain amount of money for you to be a conglomerate of. And I think a lot of people's notion is that you have to be on Amazon to sell books. And although that may be true, it was not always the case for people who sold books Amazon is not the be-all, end-all of the advertising world. You and everybody else in the whole world can advertise to Amazon and link to your product on Amazon using whatever marketing tactics you want to. But the problem is the authors don't really know a lot about marketing, I think, and especially online, it's not an easy world to figure out. And I think that the, the gap, the information gap there is even is even bigger. Um, Another problem is that the permaculture movement is growing, uh, but it's growing very slowly. Uh, We really, we're trying to do something for the world. We're trying to actually, you know, teach people how to use their resources or use their wastes and turn them into resources because a lot of, a lot of things that we have in, in our lifestyle could be just transformed. And, and I'm not talking about making our garbage into something. I like, I'm talking about things like compost where you get something that's 
that's actually a finished product like dirt or like growing dirt or or you get uh, mulch or you get something that looks pretty that doesn't look like uh, some kind of folk art construction or something you know no offense to folk artists i know that that's actually a pretty interesting world as it is uh but if you if you um um you know if you understand me like there's there's always ways of turning what you what you thought that you had to throw out or what you think is in your way or what you think you're missing into something kind of beautiful and i think that uh that that movement it's tough to understand and there's really no connection between the sources of those those pieces of information and and the people out there that want them you know you're leaving it up to permaculture teachers to go out there and and really you know be really connected to people these are the permaculture designers and permaculture teachers are, are these are people who you know, they spend their life learning about plant names and, and learning about soil fungus and stuff. Like, you know, they're not, they're not the, the salesman type that <laughs> goes to parties and, you know, center of attention kind of people. Like, it's not easy for these kinds of people to, to get themselves out there. And that's completely understandable. Those people are beautiful souls, but they just don't have it in them to go out and you know, market themselves. And um, yeah, that's a big problem. Um, another one is that uh, communities themselves are really slow to incorporate permaculture. Um, the infos, again, it's so heavy. And I mean, to try to convince a community center to, you know, to, to have a food forest or to have some sort of, some sort of permaculture set up or do some com- kind of compost. It's not... It's not the hardest sell in the world, but the idea is that there are so many ideas and there are so many community centers and there's no real standardization of anything, right? That's another, that's another thing I wanted to go over is that, uh, you know, there's no real, there's no real standard practice of permaculture. I mean, uh, not Seth Godin, um, the, uh, um, Sepp Holzer. Um, his, his methods are becoming pretty standard and, you know, there's the old Bill Mollison permaculture guide and that's pretty standard too. And the Dave Jackie and Eric Tonsmeyer book, uh, that's the one I learned off of. And it is just, I mean, they, these are really, really massive volume books that, that, I mean, there's just so much information. It's just so confusing and it's so heavy but you know it's 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 hopeful you know there's a lot of people that um you know that have books out there but these books are they're, they're all hit and miss right it's like which ones are are the good ones which ones are the ones for me i don't know like am i really trying to like i'm not incorporating livestock so is it even going to work with livestock i still have questions afterwards and maybe i maybe i don't have any questions i just don't have any time to read these books or to go through three or four books so like three or four books i mean do we really have to limit this this whole industry to people who really like reading books about nature i mean that's a tough one that's a real tough one you know um and you know <laughs> 
trying to figure out what in permaculture is experimental and what's been done. You know, what's been done really like, is there any evidence for this stuff? Where's the proof? And if there is proof, I mean, is there any real discernible place to go get it? I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely some really good resources out there. Permaculturenews.org has some really great forums on there. And, uh, you know, though <laughs> you have to read through a lot of comments and these comments are from people. Sometimes, you know, if you keep a, keep an eye out for the names or the tags, tag names on these things, they're they're they can sometimes be these these really high up there permaculture designers. Um, like I saw David, Dave Jackie's response to a, um, a lady who really thought, you know, is, is food forests are food forests for only for rich people. Right. And Dave Jackie actually, he, he, he responded, which is pretty, which is pretty incredible because he's, he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of information in that book that he wrote and for him to connect with his audience like that was was pretty commendable. But I'll, I'll read some of what he wrote here. Um, he says, Amazon has so much market power that they sway the whole book industry. Every book has to be on Amazon. If you aren't on Amazon, your book may as well not exist. Amazon forces publishers to give very steep discounts. So publishers, in order to stay alive and make a profit while selling to Amazon, raise the prices. This made prices at independent bookstores go up and made Amazon's prices actually reasonable, which pushed consumers to Amazon even more. Did you notice that book prices went up when Amazon came on the market? I did. And independent bookstores went out of business very fast after that, giving Amazon even more market share. And the deals Amazon makes with publishers for Kindle books are even worse for authors. From what I understand from the Authors Guild, of which I am a member, it's a pretty cutthroat industry, in my humble opinion. And yet, very few of my books would sell without Amazon. Go figure. So he responded to this problem and, and you know, like he, he himself, who, who really knows this stuff, has a hard time distributing it to his audience. Now that to me is pretty tragic since he, like he said, he spent, he spent eight years writing the book he destroyed his savings and he got deep into credit card debt. Well, I mean, a bunch of stuff. And, you know, like I totally understand everybody's got these kinds of... Pro this is like I find... It's almost like the people who really give a crap about this are really poor. And the people who just want to consume th the products are not poor at all. Um, and so I, I, I say poor, but I don't mean like poor, poor. I, I mean just not able to spend a lot of time and a lot of money on courses and on information that, you know, it's really hit and miss. It's really not customized to them. And why, why are they reading it without knowing for sure that it's going to be effective? So the evidence isn't there. The proof isn't there. The people who want to give the information have a hard time doing it because of the prices, because the commercial industry has kind of taken over. But um, you know, uh, uh, there's just so many different issues. Like for instance, here's another one. Uh, there's no real political or commercial representation for permaculture there. I mean, I guess there's some stuff in 
in the in Europe, in Germany. I've I've been to Amsterdam. Incorporates a lot of of greenery. I mean, not like that, but you know what I mean. Like the 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 trees. Everybody look at. I mean, walk around in Amsterdam in the real place, not downtown. That's you know that's a that's a novelty. But Amsterdam itself is a really interesting city, and it's actually floating. If you knew, didn't know that, but <laughs> look in people's backyards. Pretty much every single person is growing some kind of edible plant. And isn't that interesting? You know, like they're cutting off, they're cutting off the, the ties to, to corporations and they're, they're making, they're using different, different models, different economic models to pay for things that the, that the consumers really want. Like these long-term solutions, you know, governments are given a lot of money a huge amount amount of money and they don't really have ideas they're given the money and they're given the ideas that we give them and all they can do is try to implement them as best they can and i mean maybe everyone else maybe maybe you don't forgive the government and you can never forgive the government but i am moving past it <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to say now let's let's forgive the government for their trespasses and you know <laughs> basically basically help them because there's more to this than there's more to this than what we think there is and these are people i mean we're all people we're all trying to trying to connect you know and that leads me to another problem even and i'm sorry for droning on but there are a lot of problems here people um you know <laughs> Here's another one. How to find the right consultant. Can you, can you imagine wanting to spend your, the, the savings you have, you're, you're, you're withholding the savings from your children because you just want something better for yourself and your children in order to pay somebody to teach you or to implement some kind of permaculture or or sustainable perennial garden of some kind. You know, something that's going to look nice, something that's going to be functional, something that you don't have to take care of, at least not all that much. And then you go out on the internet looking for somebody, or you talk to your friends who might know somebody, and you're giving this person 200 300 400 maybe $1,000, they're not a landscape architects. They're permaculture design certific certificate holders, which is commendable, but is not architecture. Let's face it. Um, they're not giving you. They're not giving you very clear designs, and you know the amount of money that you're going to have to spend on it. It doesn't really get us there, because we have to, as permaculture designers, we have to do so much work in order to just get a, a few bucks. From these people who, you know, they don't deserve, they, they deserve better. They deserve a whole system. They deserve a whole industry backing up, you know, because it's so lacking. But it's just not there. So join me for the next episode where I will go over the solution to all this. So just remember all of these points that I've just said in order, and I'll be testing you on it later. And 
uh, and we'll we'll go over them again one by one, and and we'll you know we'll provide a solution for them, and I'll tell you why, and you'll find something interesting in this next episode, and I think that. I think that um, the joke will become apparent right pretty much in the first few minutes. So just, you know, stay tuned and relax and let me, let me bring you to the, to the light side of the, um, the world, <laughs> so to speak. This episode was brought to you by foodforestfinder.com. You put in your email address and you find your location and it gives you a list of food forest plants that you can grow and it connects you to greenhouses and nurseries and seed companies and the like that may have the things that you are looking for. So without further ado. Thanks for listening, my lovely friends. For more episodes, subscribe to my channel on the numerous platforms you can find out there. As I release them, you'll receive them. If you'd like your product or food forest project featured on the show, just visit my contact page at www.foodforestoftheworld.com slash get in touch. As always, remember, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Bye.